1: Uh, As we begin our our teaching portion today, uh, we're beginning a new teaching series called Family Values. Family Values. Uh, Over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a deep dive uh, into strengthening our family relationships because we see this truth at work in our lives in so many ways that our families shape us. And the flip of that coin is also true that we impact and shape our families, from childhood memories to habits to traits, maybe you would even say quirks, uh, how we look, those things are shaped by our family. Uh, some of the most frequent reminders I have of this shaping, of this forming, uh, is often presented to me and reminded to me uh, by my own family. Uh, and those reminders are not necessarily of the values, the beliefs, the work ethics, the love, you know, the good stuff that's been shaped into me by family. Rather, the reminders I often get are referring to times called link fits, link fits. Uh, A link fit, uh, so that's my last name, Link, Uh, a link fit is often a poorly timed frenzy of obsessive compulsive behavior. A poorly timed frenzy of obsessive compulsive behavior, so for example, uh, a, a link fit, uh, is really likely to happen when we're about to go to the landfill or the garbage dump here in Elkton. Uh, and if there is space left in a bag or space left in the car, we need to fill it with something. Let's get some stuff out of here. And so how this link fit plays out is that, man, I start going through boxes. It doesn't matter if I haven't been in them for six months. Let's look in them. Can we throw something away? Can we recycle something? Through the fridge, through the shop, through the basement, through closets, you name it, I'm filling that bag in that car with something. we getting rid of it that is a link fit. That is an obsessive compulsive trait that has been shaped into me. And uh, they also uh, have a tendency of occurring a few days, maybe even up to just a few hours before we would leave home for a couple of days. Uh, Just a few years ago in the midst of a fantastic link fit, I would want to say, I was supposed to be packing the bags, checking the car, you know, getting things ready. Well, it seemed like a prime opportunity to power wash the house. (laughs) I'm just saying, when better than right before you're leaving? And so I ventured into the shop, fired up the power washer, and did the sidewalks and deck and part of the house instead of packing my bags in my car. True story. Um, It's a link fit. It's a link fit. Uh, These over-enthusiastic spells are called a link fit because I'm not the only one in my family that this occurs to. Uh, It looks different for other members in my family, but we all have link fits. Like I said, our families shape us. Uh, Poor Eliza, she'll be the product of a link fit in her own life as she is shaped by her family. You see, we believe that family is so important. Your family is important. Family can often be challenging, but family can can be some of the deepest and closest relationships that we have, and those relationships matter. Those relationships matter. Your family matters, and perhaps most importantly for us today, your family matters to God. Your family matters to God. Family Values, our teaching series, is about walking out faithfulness to the Lord within our family relationships. Just as we've been called to faithfulness in our discipleship, and our walk with the Lord, we believe that faithfulness, we are called to bring faithfulness into our family relationships, to strengthen and grow them and shape them after the person of Jesus and His Word. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to really consider what it takes to build a strong family to strengthen those relationships in pursuit of the Lord. Whether you're a son or a daughter, a husband, a wife, brother, sister, aunt, or uncle, your family relationships matter to the Lord. They matter. And we desire our families to be united and strengthened and to see that growth happen. And we believe that family uh, from the very beginning was God's idea. And we're going to start the series there in Genesis 2 this morning. Genesis chapter 2. So we went from our series in Revelation at the very end of the book all the way back to the front uh, in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 18. And and we're jumping in mid-narrative of the creation narrative here in chapter 2. So we'll unpack that here in just a second. But uh, Genesis 2 verse 18 says, The Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So, so just pause here just a minute. Uh, as we would follow the creation narrative coming through Genesis and the chapter 1 and into chapter 2, uh, chapter 2 is really a retelling, a focusing in on the creation narrative. And here this is uh, the first not good in the creation narrative. You see, leading up to this point, uh, God has created man. He's called him and given him the vocation and partnership and stewarding, caring for, working creation in partnership with the Lord. And all of that was good. All of that was good. But we see when God saw that man was alone, that was when he first said it was not good. And so, the family relationship, yes, Adam and Eve was addressing that first need, that not good. And look at how Adam responds in verse 23. The man said, so Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man Verse 24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. You see, man and woman are created together, a complement for one another. They were united, and there was a potential for life in that union. And here we see the very beginnings of family. Now, certainly, certainly today, family is much more than the marriage relationship. It's much broader than that. Jesus himself was never married, yet we believe that he perfectly embodied what it meant to be human. Family is much more than just a marriage relationship. So I think it's important as we dive into this series, as we launch in, that that we identify two key truths that will help us embark on this journey together. The first truth that I want us to sit in and to consider this morning is that everyone has Family. And I know you're like blown back by the depth and the profoundness of that statement. But listen, let's sit here for just a minute. Every one of us has family. Every one of us has family, deep, uh, and and those connections. So, this series is going to look different for each one of us. We all have family, but they're all unique. This family is going to look different for each one of us. You might be single this morning. You might be married with children. You might be a single parent or a grandparent. You might be this morning the world's best and coolest aunt or uncle. You could be the coolest cousin at the family reunion. You see, everyone has some relationships with family and they are important. Everyone has family. Second, Another truth that we need to just put into the air and sit with is that family can be messy. Thank you for not amening that. <laughs> Look, I, <laughs> you've gotten to hear from me, and you know some of my family, uh, and I've gotten to know you and some of your family. Look, there ain't no such thing as normal in family. It's just not. There's no such thing as normal. Every family has issues. Every family faces challenges, things that they have to work through. Even the family that on their Christmas card is in the matching pajamas, they have challenges too. They have challenges too. And and so as we are journeying through this series, as we are working out what it means to invest in family, to care and to, to see those relationships grow, we recognize, friends, we compassionately recognize that for many of you today, family is a really hard topic. It's a really hard topic. For, for some of you, family is hard to think about because as you think of family, as you think of those relationships, it's loss and grief that bear you down today that are so real in your experience of family right now. For, for others, when, when you hear family rather than a God-designed safe space and a fulfilling union, all you can recall is unsettled and uncertain times. Family can be messy. For some, rather than family being a place of love and and nurture and peace and grace, it's riddled with disappointment. It's laden with betrayal and brokenness. Friends, that was not and still is not God's heart for family. If you follow the creation narrative, so we were just there in Genesis 2, uh, if you follow the creation narrative into the very next chapter, the third chapter of the Bible, you see the enemy, Satan, coming and enticing Adam and Eve, the first family, you see him enticing them into sin and rebellion against God. It's only 12 verses later, 12 verses later after the creation narrative, we have the first family feud. 12 verses. In just 12 verses, sin and guilt and shame and denial all enter the family story. So we see that from the earliest days, family was messy, and it still is today still is today. So as we begin this journey together, uh, talking about family, as we have considered that we all have family, that there's all challenges, I want us to hold tight to two truths over the next couple weeks. Two truths that will be a guide, a source of hope for us, and encouragement as we take this journey together. I believe these truths can change our families. The first thing I want you to hold on to is that there is hope. There is hope right now in this moment. There is hope for your family. No matter how messy, what story is, how many generations it's gone on, there is hope today, friends. There is hope. The second truth that I want you to hear is that there is help. There is help for your family. So this series is not specifically designed to unpack self-help and life hacks and quick fixes. There's a lot of books and YouTube content for pursuing that. This series, this series specifically is about seeking the Lord because we believe it's His help that we need. It's His hope that will keep us going on this journey in our family relationships. It's His help and it's His hope. And we are going to seek Him together in the days and the weeks ahead through family values. Let's pray together and seek him. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your design, your care for us and family. And Lord, today we thank you that there is help and there is hope when family feels heavy. Family feels messy, Lord. We need help. We are thankful today that we can cry out to you for your help and your hope, Lord Jesus. So, Father, this is, this is part one. We're seeking you. We're seeking you in the relationships that matter most to us. Lord, we love you today. And it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Uh, So over the next couple weeks, just a little bit of a snapshot, if you will, of what we're going to dive into. We're we're really going to be considering what it takes to strengthen these relationships, these family connections, uh, engaging in the hope that can only be found in Jesus, engaging in the hope and the help of the Holy Spirit on that journey. Uh, We're going to look at the importance of God's Word For our families. We've said, and you're going to hear it time and time again, that your family matters to God. Well, His Word is filled with instructions, filled with vision for these family relationships. We're going to seek His Word for our families. And then we're going to seek to understand the importance of loyalty the importance of loyalty within our family relationships because uh, we have seen from the early beginnings in Genesis, we've seen that denial and blame and shame have been a part of the family story. What does it look like for loyalty to have a prominent place in our family relationships? And then finally, we're going to look to see uh, that grace and flexibility Grace and flexibility are key family values that we must embrace if we hope to experience family the way that God intended us to. Grace and flexibility. Today, as we launch into the series, we're going to begin by focusing on the one central element, really the the one thing that must be true in our family relationships as we begin, and that's Jesus. (laughs) That's Jesus. Christ must be the center of our families. God was in the very details of the first family in Genesis 2, so it should come as no surprise that Jesus must be the center of our family relationships, those relationships that matter most to us today. But this series is about unpacking that practically and that's, that's what we're really going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. What does it practically look like to focus on Jesus, to focus in on the Lord and His help and His hope in our family? We want to take practical steps. We want to understand, yes, the Word of God and the theology behind it, but we want to have practical tools for Monday and Wednesday and Friday in our family. So, what does it look like to focus on Jesus. And at the risk of this starting in such a simplistic fashion or too simple, uh, to focus on Jesus in our family, it means that we are committing to bringing and being Christ-like in our families, to be Christ-like in our families. We're committing to Christ-like values and actions and principles in our family relationships. It means to focus on Jesus is is to think like he thought, to love like he loved. That's what it is, to focus on Jesus uh, when it's easy and when it's not in family. In John chapter 15, you can go ahead and start working your way there now. In John chapter 15, this is Jesus' final hours with his disciples. Uh, he, he's unpacking life for them and giving them commands uh, for carrying on because they, they weren't still quite sure what was about to happen just a few hours later. And, and this is Jesus unpacking commands and principles for his disciples for life and, yes, relationships. And so we're going to dive in today at John chapter 15, beginning at verse 9. And so Jesus speaking, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus here is trying to prepare his disciples for the shaking that's about to happen in a few hours as they witness the crucifixion. Uh, He's sharing with his disciples that the love that he has shown them by the roadside, by the campfire, on the boat, the love that they have experienced from him was how he was loved by the Father. And his first command, his number one instruction for them is remain in that love Abide there, then. That's really what that word is. It's, it's, it's about remaining, soaking, being steadfast in my love, Jesus says. Remain in my love. And then he continues. He, he makes that practical. He takes it another step further in verse 10. He says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. So obedience is key to abiding. And he says this. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Love as I have loved you. How have you been loved by Jesus? How have you been loved by Jesus? You see, if we're to, to see Christ, if we're to see Jesus as the center of our families, then his love becomes our standard. His love becomes the way, the example at which we're to engage our family, to love our family, love as I have loved you. How have you been loved by Jesus? <laughs> How have you seen his grace and his compassion, his empathy? How have you seen that at work in your life? I've seen a lot of his love when I didn't deserve it. When I was trying to run the other way, I experienced his love and his grace. And here he's saying, look, that's it. (laughs) As I have loved you, love one another love one another. I I think this challenges us with the idea of family because we generally stop at this idea that we're to love our families. Like we can usually get there on our own. There's some sense that we need to love our families. And I I suppose that we can pull that off sometimes on our own, right? I mean, that that one weird uncle, We, we might love him enough not to steal the last deviled egg out in front of him. Maybe, I don't know. Or, or that one cousin, uh, because they're family, we don't wish them harm, but we do wish they were busy next Christmas and couldn't come to the reunion. Like, you see, we stop at this idea of, of love our family, but the question of family values isn't, are you loving your family? You see, that train has left the station. We are way beyond that question here. Family values ask the question, Christ at the center of our family is demanding to know, how am I loving my family? That's the issue at heart here. Not are you loving, how are you loving your family? That's where Jesus says, love as I have loved you. How are you loving your family today? How are you loving your family? How am I loving the ones closest to me that God has entrusted to my inner circle? How am I loving them? Is it sacrificially and compassionately and graciously and and persevering? How am I loving my family? How are you loving your family today? I don't know about you, but that question and reflection and sitting on this throughout this week makes me realize I need a lot of help here. I need a lot of help in my family relationships. Jesus said, remain in my love. <laughs> Start there. Love as I have loved you. Uh, the apostle Paul, uh, he, he articulates so beautifully in 1 Corinthians uh, the, the, the nature of this love because we're trying to get practical, right? So to understand and we can reflect, on, and I would encourage you to do that this week, reflect on how you've been loved by Jesus. Uh, and Then Paul's taking that a little step further. He's putting language to this love. He's putting action to love. And he records that in 1 Corinthians 13. It's read at all kinds of weddings, but it was not a wedding vow. This was a word unpacking and describing true love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says uh, at verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Remember, this is the love that we've been loved with. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. That's the nature of the love that we've been loved by. And that's what Jesus is saying, as I've loved you, so love one another. So so what does that look like? Listen, Just just think about from Paul's words, think about what love embraces, what comes along with it, what it does, what it includes. Uh, Love is patient. Patience. Love is kind. It embraces and promotes kindness. It embraces truth. It is resilient, it always protects, it trusts, it hopes, and love endures, it never fails. So as beautiful as it is to think about what love embraces, what comes with it, listen to what it resists, what it defends against, what it guards against. Love resists envy or resentment. Love resists. It guards against boasting and bragging. Love guards against arrogance. It's not proud. Love guards against rudeness. It does not dishonor others. Love guards against selfishness because it's not self-serving and self-seeking. Love uh, guards against anger. Love guards against resentment because it keeps no record of wrongs. Love resists evil. I, for one, am really glad this is not a test. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure I would need to stay after class for extra credit. As you begin to consider... Uh, The the love of Jesus that we've been loved with, as you consider the Apostle Paul's words, we step into this and you begin to think, like, there's no way, right? But start with Jesus. (laughs) That's why Jesus started there. remain in my love. You see, the truth is we can't do family the way it was intended apart from Jesus and his love at work within us. We can't give something we haven't experienced. We must begin experiencing, soaking in, understanding, realizing, and articulating the great love of God that we have received, and then we can begin to see that into our family relationships. Love as I have loved you. We can't do it on our own. But that's why we began saying, look, there is help and there is hope, Because there's a beautiful truth that that His Spirit at work in us, as we begin to bring Him into focus in our families, that we're experiencing His love as we're giving His love. He is with us. He is with us. Dwell in His love. Love others as He has loved you. Uh, As the band uh, begins to make their way forward, Let's take this standard of love, this idea that that Paul has unpacked and that Jesus has shown us throughout the Gospels. Let's bring this into everyday life, right? Because we we want practical tools for this. How are we loving our families? How does it look to love like Jesus? Well, parents, um, if you've had little ones, have you ever gotten through dinner, uh, which sometimes can be like an Olympic sport in and of itself, Uh, You've wrangled the child through bath time, which, you know, that is water everywhere. Uh, You've asked them repeatedly as you're headed to bedtime, uh, uh, do you need to use the potty? Do do you need a drink? No. Are you sure you don't need a drink? Yeah. You don't need to go potty? No. Good. Okay, so everybody gets nighttime prayers. We go down to bed. You shut the door. Two and a half minutes later, I need a drink. (laughs) Love as I have loved you. Does patience and kindness mark our response? Struggle's real if you haven't been there in a while. But you see that that's that's the that's a place that's an avenue at which we're called to love like Jesus. What about uh, in your home? Uh, month after month, hey, uh, inflation's taken off, uh, groceries are crazy, everything gets more expensive, and, and challenges come, right? Bills keep coming, and it's getting stressful. You can feel that pressure, but you just can't seem to catch a break. As things are mounting and stress never seems to lie down, to die down, will you embrace perseverance with one another? Will you embrace hope? What about when loss and grief are so real and so persistent? Will you cling to hope? (laughs) Will you resist bitterness in those moments and in those places? As family, we wrestle with those times. Will we extend grace to people on their journey as we need it for our own? What about when a family quarrel has been going on for two generations? Will you be the one that puts it to an end? Will you be the one that steps in and says, enough is enough. This generation is going to be different because that's how we've been loved. Will you take that step of forgiveness, of leading with grace to find healing? What about when health challenges come and and it just gets harder and harder? Will love embrace resilience? Will it resist resentment in those moments? When family relationship is hard, will you love anyways? Because that's how you've been loved. How are you loving your family today? How are you loving your family? Um, I've been sitting with this a little bit, and um, I, I, I recognize the immensity, the challenge of this word. Like I, I need the help and I need the hope of the Lord in this. I'm not an expert, but you know, as I've thought about the call, the standard to love like that, what I have realized too is that I desperately need my family to love me this way because I have a lot of bonehead moments in my life. I'm a consumer of grace in my family because I'm not perfect. A couple weeks ago, two weeks ago probably, FedEx rolls in with a package. I go out to meet him and talk to the guy. He tosses me the package. It's big, but it doesn't weigh anything. It's not mine. I don't know what it is, but... uh, my wife ordered it, I guess. So it shows up, and i am gotten this package. Well, uh, all of our main living levels on the second story, so you got to go up the steps. So as I come back in from greeting the FedEx guy and getting this package, like, what is this? It doesn't weigh anything. Uh, Ashley and Eliza, my, my wife and my daughter, come out on the porch, and I had this really brilliant idea. I said, let me just toss this up the steps instead of walking it like a normal, sane person. I say brilliant idea because I didn't quite put enough oomph on the toss, And I drilled Eliza in the head with this box. (laughs) Like, that's the kind of bonehead I am. I need this kind of love in my family because I wish I could tell you that was the worst thing I've done. It's not. But you see, we recognize uh, the challenge that it can be to love others this way. But at the same time, we can be challenging people to love. Maybe that's just me. But I know I can be hard to love. And so there's a mutuality in this. But this call to love like Jesus uh, is is just a journey. It's not going to happen instantly. We're not going to nail it perfectly. It's a commitment to say, yes, Lord, I see your word. I've experienced your love. I'm going to commit to this journey of loving like you've loved me. And look, if Eliza was here, she'd testify with many of you. You can't always control what happens to you in your family. So much happens outside of our control. And so this is a commitment to a journey. It's really a commitment to a person in Jesus, but it's a commitment to seeing that love that we've experienced to be conduits and avenues at which it flows through our closest relationships. That's family values. Will you take that step today? Will you take that step today? We might not be able to change a whole lot. (laughs) Things might be outside of our control. But we can choose to love others as we have been loved. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your love when when we were on the run, when we uh, were far apart from you, Lord. It was your love that moved your grace, that put people in our path, that kept drawing us to you when we didn't deserve it. And Lord, it was your love on Calvary that paid the price that we might experience new life. Lord, it's your love that we have experienced and salvation and sanctification and following you and lord today we hear your call to love others the way that we've been loved with compassion and grace and perseverance and understanding to lead with forgiveness and grace lord i need help in that (laughs) we need help lord but today, we, we confess, we say that there is hope in you, Lord Jesus. There is help by the power of your love, your spirit at work in our lives. And so, Lord, we just want to say yes to you today. Yes, Lord. As we dwell in your love, as we commit to seeing that love transcend and transform our families. We love you today, Father. I pray for that heart today that is just so broken at the idea of family. They're not quite ready yet. God, you see them and you weep with them. Will you embrace them today in compassion and grace? Lord, we pray for healing in our families. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name that we pray.